This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. It truly is a beauty, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. A mile long, 1.6 kilometers, connecting San Francisco to uh, Marin County. But this is a story not only of beauty, but beauty and the beast, because for all its beauty and majesty, it has become a magnet for those wanting to take their own life. It's gotten so bad that up until the 90s, they counted the number of people who had taken their lives on the bridge, and it was more than 1,500, until finally they stopped counting because it became too gruesome. One California Highway Patrol officer, Kevin Briggs, patrolled the bridge for many years, responding to many calls of people threatening to jump. When he was a rookie, he admitted he didn't know what he was doing, but he learned, and it turns out he has a gift. The Guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge, right now on The Happy Molecule. Kevin Briggs, Guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. What do you think of that? I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's that's because you used to be a cop. Uh, Cops, I know, hate taking credit individually when it's a whole team. But you've kind of had that moniker thrust upon you, the Guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. And you know, I'll take it if it helps the cause and the cause being suicide prevention uh, and what our work and, and so many other people's work is around the world. I mean, I'm even talking a father and a son talking about this, whatever it may be. So there's many guardians of many golden gates. Doesn't have to be a bridge, but if that's what helps get the word out, then, then we'll take it. So you've had, Time in uh, the military, you've uh, been with corrections uh, and with California Highway Patrol. When you started your tour with uh, with CHP, did do you think for a moment that one day you would be running a company that helps with suicide prevention? I had no idea, nor did I want to. I went into public service because that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be this this big boss type of thing or or have. Uh, everything that's going on with pivotal points happening. I wanted to go with the program. You know, I didn't want to have to worry about payments and taxes and everything else. You go into public service so I can concentrate on public service. So I had no intentions of ever doing anything like this, nor being a public speaker. And it's your time with uh, with the California Highway Patrol that really, I, I, really changed your life and probably... And- changed hundreds, thousands more lives as well. Do you recall the very first time that you got a call to the bridge for a, uh, a person uh, threatening to jump? You know, the first one that I can remember was a young woman, I believe in her 20s. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm going down there, what do I say? What do I do? Is I'm still in this cop mode to where 
you know, is she trespassing? What's she doing over the rail? Because sometimes people will do that as a stunt. It's a very non-smart, I guess, the term I would use right now. <laughs> you can say stupid, Kevin. <laughs> you can say stupid. <laughs> Once in a while, that does happen. Very seldom, but it does. Um, but I didn't know what I was going to say. You know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm contemplating here. What is going on? First, I want to see what is happening. But I'm trying to think of what do I say? What do I do? If this is a suicide attempt, if they jump, am I in trouble? Am I responsible? I didn't know what to do. I wasn't coached, taught, had any meetings about this. I was just part of the beat that if you worked out at the bridge, these but things the, happen. But the Golden, the Golden Gate Bridge is is, is your beat, and, and sadly, it's become an, a magnet for for suicide. Right. And and you had very little formal training, if any, on how to talk someone off the side of the bridge. I had no training. It was it was terrible. Wow. I didn't know how to approach, what to say, what not to say. And I don't want to dog the in, highway patrol, but in, no, no, no. But in fairness, they offer that now. Do they not? They have what's called crisis intervention training, and then the folks yeah. who work on the bridge may get some additional training. Um, and I'll tell you what: what really upset me through this and through the years was I did not know, even until I retired, there were negotiator conferences around the United States, around the world that would have helped so much. Um, I did go through crisis intervention training a few years into being with the patrol and that helped CIT. A lot of officers around the States are going through that now and it's a great start. And for those who want to progress further, if they can go to some kind of negotiator school, that's where things really start to kick in. And it's, it's a, for me, it was a lot of fun, but I learned a hell of a lot too of, you know, just about myself and how to talk to people. And it's not just on the bridge. It's everyday life. All right. Take us through this first call a little bit more now. All right. So you've had all these thoughts. You, you're approaching the bridge. Uh, tell us what so happened. I get down there and the young woman over the rail and she was speaking to me. I didn't know really what to say. Hey, I'm Kevin Briggs. I'm with the California Highway Patrol. It's fairly obvious. I'm in the uniform and all. Um, she was crying off and on, and I didn't know if I was making a connection or not. My whole my mindset was, oh, my God, am I going to get in trouble? Most of my mind was on that. If she jumps this poor woman to lose her life, but then am I responsible for this, too? So I didn't have this kind of backup plan in my head of do your job, show the empathy that you have and be there for that individual. Mine was really thinking about the, the legal and lawful things that could happen here. So I was not prepared in, in any way, shape or manner to do this. I relied pretty much just on empathy and, and one human to another, which in hindsight is exactly what I want to do, but I want to be more confident in my abilities to do that. So we spoke for some time and I think she could see the, the fear and everything in my face, in my eyes. So uh, after listening to her for, for some time, she did come back over the rail. And uh, what I did then was not wrong. I just didn't know. If you don't know, I was certainly there for her. But things changed and progressed as I progressed in my job with the patrol. Uh, I do things much different now. Not that I did anything wrong then, but... Uh, more of a plan of action. Yeah. Um, okay. How many how many calls have you been on to the bridge in in which someone was threatening to jump? I would average four to six a month for about wow. ten years. 
Wow. Okay. So am I right in, in that you only lost two that in that only time? two that I was specifically dealing with that, that you were on scene others for. that I have either been assisting with or the on duty supervisor for correct. Can I ask how that feels? Uh, you know, as, as it's happening and then, and then even today, how does it feel? The pain goes away a little bit, um, but it's still there. I still see them. And what I teach negotiators is, is some different things of how they can continue on to have a, a good life. But to see someone falling, you know, that 220 feet to watch them go. Uh, one gentleman, he turned around and he actually shook my hand and he thanked me. And he said, Kevin, thank you very much, but I have to go. And he jumped. And it just breaks your heart. And for the rest of your time, you're thinking, and I'm talking the rest of my life, you'd be thinking, what could I have done better or different? But I tell folks, especially those in this business, that if that starts eating you up to where it affects your life, then we got to get some help. To me, it may, I may ponder this from time to time and see this in my mind now and again. But if it starts eating me up and starts to take a toll where it affects my life, then then I'm going to get some help. I have no problems reaching out. Thank God you've had more, many more successes. Uh, so many people are still here today. So many, so many kids still have their parents. So many parents still have their kids uh, because of your actions and and with with the actions of others from the California Highway Patrol and and from the Bridge Authority as well. Um, I want to talk about one in particular. His name is Kevin Berthia. Tell me about Kevin. Yeah. Really neat guy. Didn't know what I was stepping into that day. And actually, <laughs> here's something a lot of people don't know is um, I was actually with. Hold on. We froze again. <gasps> and we will pick it back up at that question. Any, I, any I idea why it this. may do that? It it may just be your internet. I, it could be mine. I, I don't. It's I don't, happening don't to me with different zooms. But I have this garbage. I have this Cat Six cable here that I hook directly to. Yeah, it. but it, um, it is. I'll. You know what? At the end of this, let's talk, and I'll give you just a, a few pointers of advice on on this because you do a lot of yeah. this. So just to That'd help. Be great. Um, okay, so we're gonna pick that up again. Uh, talking about Kevin. Here we go. Um, Let's focus on one person in particular whose life you changed, but I think he changed your life too. His name is Kevin Berthia. Tell me yes, about him. Yes, great guy. I had no idea what I was getting into that day, nor do you ever really uh, when you do this type of work, whatever that may be that, that we're going into. But I was actually sitting at a coffee shop down in Sausalito when I received a call, and I was with my beat partner. Uh, and actually, it was his out. It was his call. And I said, hey, you you helped me out last week. I'll take this one. And the rest is history. So so you, okay, when was this? When was this? This was back in 2005. Okay, what uh, what time of year? March. Okay, so I'm trying I'm, to I'm trying to remember the, the actual day. Yeah. But, but it, it was, so being March... I'm, it, it can get quite quite cool on uh, on top of the Golden Gate Bridge with those winds whipping in. So you're approaching the scene 
Tell me, tell me right. what happened. So I'm on my motorcycle and I'm going down the sidewalk and I had a description of him, of a man on the sidewalk talking on a cell phone. So as I'm cruising down the sidewalk from the north end going south towards San Francisco, I see the description of him. And now I'm at the North Tower. Stop my motorcycle. As I'm getting off of my bike, he looks my direction and he jumps over the rail, four foot rail. So he had been on the he sidewalk, was. safely on one side of the rail. And, and he, he went, went over when he And I you. yelled something. I can't remember what it was, but he reached out. He dropped his cell phone. He reached out and he grabbed the rail and he swung around and smacked into the middle. And that's where he landed. And that's where he stayed. It was there. I thought he was gone. I ran up there. I thought there's no way. He, huh. I mean, he, he just bolted over this rail. So I thought he was gone until I looked through the rails there and uh, I see his white T-shirt. And I was amazed that, that he was still here. Okay. Um, he now, by the way, and we're going to get more into this, he actually now does what you do, right. goes around and gives motivational speeches about that there's always an alternative. There's always a way to get out of that dark spot. So in particular, I want to hear what he has to say. This was something from Goalcast, which is a YouTube channel with as motivational stories. And it, it comes from a segment they did called The True Story of the Golden Gate Bridge Guardian Angel, referring to you, I think. Uh, but this is what he had to say about what, uh, what happened that day. I took a couple steps back and in the moment as I'm heading towards the railing and about to jump over, I hear a voice. Hey, is everything all right? And in that moment, it was enough of a distraction to where I grabbed the railing and turned myself on this cord. I'm 220 feet in the air and I have somebody trying to get my attention. I'm upset. I'm yelling back and forth for him. Stay back. I'm trying to keep myself warm. I'm bundled up. So I keep yelling at him. I say, if you get any closer, that's it. Because all I got to do is nudge back. Like that's all I got, not even a big nudge, just a small nudge and that's it. Finally, in my heart starts feeling like, why does he even care? Because he's not, he's not yelling at me. He's not, he's not, he's not making me feel like I'm stupid for being here. Because everything inside of me is like, man, you're stupid. You didn't put yourself in this position. You did not come here to talk. I came here because I was in pain and I was trying to get out of it. But here after 15 minutes, this, this voice starts to penetrate me in, 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 my, in my soul and it, it gets a little closer and I start to hear him. I never look up and in that same position on that bridge with my feet hanging off the cord and at any moment I could do this and, and it could be over. And for 92 minutes, this individual, this human, just listened to me. Now, think about that when I say that. For 92 minutes, he sat there, he stood there, and just listened to me. Wow. He filled in a few blanks there. You know what? I, what what's interesting, He's he never referred to you as a, a police officer, a, a cop, a chip. He just, he, he, he referred to you, in fact, as, as this individual, this human. I find that fascinating. Right. I think many times... If someone gets in a situation like that, like he doesn't remember me, my uniform, anything. He didn't even know I was a white guy. He's just looking, he's just hearing <laughs> this voice. So I think folks, you know, I mean, could you imagine whatever's going on in your life to have the courage 
to go over a rail like that and be 220 feet up. And people, when they see this, where he was at, this position, he's on just on this little bitty pipe. There's where he stood. And he has one hand, his left hand in his pocket, his right hand, because it's so cool out and so cold that he has it up between his T-shirt and his skin. And I actually, I pulled this up for you. The date was March 11th. 2005. Mm. I actually have the report. I, I kept the report. Uh, yeah, heck, I've been I've been there in in August, and uh, it's still it's cold <laughs> when, when you're standing up there. Yeah, so it must have been freezing. Um, and you didn't do any superhero thing. You didn't jump over the railing and grab him. You know, we know our police officers are heroes, but you didn't yell at him as he as he said. You didn't threaten him. You talked for 92 minutes. Right, right. He spoke almost the, the whole majority of the time, but I wanted him to know a couple of things, that I was there for him, that he's not in trouble when he comes back over. I, and this is a big one for law enforcement that, that I teach, is when he comes back over, I have to put him in handcuffs, and that's only because it's our policy. You haven't done anything mm -hmm. wrong. Because what happens is someone goes over the rail, or they're on top of a building, something like that. They think they're trespassing. Now, on top of all the other issues that may be going on with them, they think they're in trouble with the law. So I wanted to dispel that right from the start. I tell him this. So when he does come back, and that kind of helps them set their mind at ease a little bit. But we spoke for a long time, and I wanted them to know that I'm there for him. And I am. I'm just going to be here, and I'm going to listen to whatever he has to say. And that's, that's kind of what we did. Listening is so important, and I'm going to play one more clip here from, from Kevin. Um, he talks about the loneliness. In fact, earlier in, this, in the episode of this, uh, this uh, YouTube story, he talked about finding the bridge. He wasn't from San Francisco. Right. He's from Oakland, across the bay. And he wanted the best way to get to the bridge, and he, he asked a woman for directions to the bridge. And he had said that he had hoped at that point that she would say, well, why do you want to go there? And maybe talk to he, he was looking for a way out. So is that sometimes what it's like when you're talking with these people that, that, that they're looking for a way out? I think so. I think most people want to live and the ones that don't, they come up there and don't even give us a chance. They come up and they look around and make sure nobody's mm -hmm. around them and then they're gone. So I think, you know, most of the time, if we get a chance to speak with someone, they will come back over the rail most of the time. Okay. Let's listen to Kevin talking about loneliness. I used to think I was alone and nobody in the world felt like me. Now that I know it's people in the world that feel like me, it's my job to help them out, to encourage them, let them know, hey, I've been where you've been. The darkest point that you ever thought you could ever be. And I came out of it. You can come out of it too. I can't honestly believe that it, with almost 8 billion people on this planet, that people still feel alone. And that's why we all got to come together. Two ears and one heart. That's what saved my life. And that's what all of us in this room possess. Challenge yourself today and in the future to look out for each other. The moment, the moment people feel heard, they get healed. The moment. But they have to be heard. Listening can save people's lives. And we all can do it. It seems so simple. It does. Just Listen, but how many of us were so busy with everything else? We think we're busy when we're watching TV, 
because I'm, I'm going off on my own self. God, what did I do today? I got other, I watched TV for so many hours. Like if you can shut that off, we can get a lot more done. And I'm talking about myself and my <laughs> own world there. So, but that's what it takes is listening. And most folks who have been in that kind of situation or something similar will tell you we're not looking for somebody to fix our problems, our issues, or whatever that may be. They just want to be heard. And if we can do that, that's with them, t- you know what that is. That's tough. It is, and I and I found that I found that with my own kids. Where this dad, I don't want you to fix this. Just listen. But I want to fix it, right? and I don't know how to listen without saying, okay, but here's how we can fix this. Because I, I think they need that. That's typically a, a man's thing too, is we're fixers. We want to yeah. fix things. Oh, that's broken. Let me fix it. And sometimes we can't, or we don't know really what to do, but we want to. But in these types of things, if we can just listen, that can be a world of difference for folks. You know, it is is really interesting too about the story with Kevin is that he is now he now goes across the country uh, talking to groups, especially to uh, to teens, which sadly is one of the the fastest growing uh, portions of of those taking their lives by suicide uh, is is youth, right, right. sadly. So you know, so you saved his life, and he's gone on now to save, and I'm sure countless lives right well i say i help people on a dark day um i'm kind of shy of saying the word saved i didn't rush into a burning building anything like that but i think i i helped folks on a dark day and now kev's doing it and if you didn't know we actually um get a chance to speak on stage together and we've kind of combined our whole incident for for the audience and it's pretty cool we've done it a few times now and it's a lot of fun to work with him. There's no ego. It's about the audience and what we can provide to them and telling them, you know, what's real, what's this story, and how we can help one another out. I'm really interested to get to uh, to this. It's time for the Me Three list. So this is a chance for my guests to just come up with three very simple things. Uh, what are you focusing your, your me three list on the, 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 the person or those around the person? I did both. I combined it. Okay. 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 Great. Okay. Let's, let's hear number one. I wanted to do this in a way that, that is very simple. So number one, yes. Recognize your self worth. We all have bad days Mm. and everything else, but we also have self worth. We're going to go through tough times, but you can even write them down. That's why I suggest to people. What is your self-worth? What is about you that people like? That you like? That can be difficult because we're very good at being self-critical. Right. We always have been. Uh, we, we don't compliment ourselves. We don't like to take uh, the, the credit. Um, you know, I mean, even, even, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. I'm going to say even you. No, you say, I oh, I don't like being called the guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I don't like saying that, that I saved his life. Well, the fact is you are and you did. <laughs> <laughs> so I think recognizing your self-worth is, you know, is, is, this is just an example. I'm not saying you uh, don't. Yeah. I'm just saying we have, we, we have trouble doing mm-hmm. that. And it can be it could be difficult. I like what you said about writing it down, though. Why not? Yes, absolutely. Because sometimes we need to look at that. If we're having a really bad day, like I still battle depression. And I have times when I just can't leave the house, whether that's anxiety. I just can't take that, put that foot out the door. 
those are times when we look at what is my self-worth? What have I accomplished, done? And we've all done it. We've all done good things. And there's things that, you know, that we are proud of. Mm -hmm. So take stock in those because we are going to have All right. Number two. Number two, have self-compassion. You're going to blow it. We're all going to blow it. So what? We didn't mean to do it. Learn from it. Be able to drop that. I still have things. We all do that. Oh, if I hadn't have done that, why did I do that? But have some self-compassion. So self-worth and self-compassion are big. We're going to blow it. I, I prepared for an interview a few years ago. And I was really prepared. I walked in the interview and they threw a time on me. Okay, you only have 45 minutes for this. And it completely threw me for a loop. And I blew it about as bad as you could do. So, and I had prepared for this for weeks. But, yeah, you know, you, things you, Yeah. So I know sometimes I feel like Chris Farley. <laughs> you remember, you remember, remember when he was going, stupid, stupid, stupid. I love that know? guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> wonderful. Well, I mean, there was another guy who battled depression, right? And I wonder sometimes how, how real that was. But we do that with ourselves. You, 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 you spill some some water, you break a glass, something like that, and you just you you just like yell at yourself yes. that you probably wouldn't even yell at someone yes. else that that bad. And if, if we so have a minute, I will tell you a very quick story. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. going in for my sergeant's test in 2007 for the for the highway patrol. I've been preparing for months to take this oral board. So it's a captain from another area and then a state personnel member. I walk in and I'm all dressed up in, in, in my uh, CHP uniform, all fancy haircut, everything. I get in there and they gave me a piece of paper to look at before I went into the room. And they said, read this, sign it, and then bring it in with you. Okay, no problem. I just sign it, whatever it is. Bring it in the room. I give it to the state personnel lady and she's an older lady. And, and apparently this was not the person that you wanted on your oral panel. So I'm like, oh, lovely, I got her. So she looks at this, sees my signature on it. She goes, did you read this? Oh, yeah, I read it. Tell me what's on it. Uh, I didn't read the, the thing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, you, you get all those things on your computer. Do you accept yeah. all these? Th yes, I hey, accept all. All it was was a piece of paper, what? all this jargon on it, how I'm not going to talk about this interview to anybody or anything about it, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I knew the gist of it, but she goes, she hands it back to me. And she goes, why don't you read it and then tell us what it says? I was, I, I told him, I literally told him, I go, should I just leave now? I'm like, I blew it. <laughs> I was so disappointed in myself. I go, all I had to do was read this form. So they got me right from the start. I wound up passing and getting promoted off of my first time as, as trying for the sergeant. But, oh, I was so embarrassed and so mad at myself. Yeah. Yeah. But you did something that anybody yeah. would do. I mean, we, we all get put uh, these things put in front of us, and it says read carefully. We never do. I mean, we yeah. can't. We can't. But we sign. So, so you didn't do anything different than uh, anyone else. Yet you're probably so hard on yourself. I, I want to be able to be better. I just strive to be good and do the right thing. And I messed up. But it's okay. Like you say, you're going to screw yeah. up once in a while. Uh, Don't now get so it's a funny story. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number so, three. Number three. We have two about ourselves. Support someone else, whether that's giving someone a call you haven't spoken with in some time. If someone's reached out to you and you've been putting off that email or that phone call, take a few minutes and do that. Two for ourselves and one for somebody else. Support somebody else. 
what is your best advice then for listening? If someone's willing to speak to you, take the time to really open up your ears, your mind, and your heart and be there for them. Cut down those distractions and be there for them. But okay, so what I'm what I'm doing, and we hear about effective listening, uh, and let, let's talk a little bit about your company. Uh, it's pivotalpoints.com, right. and this is this is one of the things that you you do. You go around and you tell organizations and and, and that how to listen, how to listen, how to be a better listener, and when it comes to crisis communications, what do we say, what do we not say, where do we have these conversations at? But also just active listening skills. We'll go through a, a you know a day of practicing those. What are they? So we've all heard of them, active listening skills. But can you list them? Can you tell me what each one does? And I'm still trying to take classes and learn about these things myself. But I've taken courses. I've studied them. I've applied them. So I feel comfortable in teaching them. And then what can we use these for? It's not just for crisis communications. Try to get your kid to do their homework, you know, and speaking with your significant other. Everything. If we learn the basics of active listening skills, I think as a society we'll be much better. And and my guess is that active listening active listening skills do not include uh uh hmm? it can actually. We call those minimal encouragers. Okay. So if somebody's speaking to us, okay, instead of just like a uh though. Just uh, mm-hmm. if somebody, if you're speaking to me on this high end conversation that I really need to be in, simply by looking right right in the eye without being weird and just wow, really, is that right? Mm-hmm. Little things like this to let you know that I'm listening and I'm present can give you the confidence to keep going up, to keep opening up, and to keep this conversation going. Let's uh, remind people as well why we're using terms like take their life by suicide or or not saying committed suicide. And this is really important. It is. We're trying to get away from the terminology of committed suicide because it leaves a nasty taste in our mouth. It's it's a negative connotation that, that people have been using for decades. Um, it's like when you committed a crime. This is not a crime. These are folks that are hurting. So we use other terms. You know, they lost their life to suicide. Something uh, to that effect. We're trying to get away from that committed suicide. So we can always tell with someone who has learned about this and studied about this because they'll use other terms. You know, it does happen. People mean no harm by it. But we are trying to get away from that term. So they lost their life by suicide. Something like that. Something I've taken note of here is you say you live with depression. Um, and, you know, you would think that the guy who runs PivotalPoints.com is perfect. Uh, the guy who talks people off bridges is perfect. But as Kevin called you, he said this human being, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect. Not at all. And, and besides battling or suffering from depression. I've had a a number of other things. I had a lot of head injuries. I had uh, cancer when I was a kid, when I was 20 years old, Um, a number of things. I got three stents in my heart, you know, all these, these other battles that I've had to, to go through, which I think helped 
make me who I am today. And I'm still striving to be better. I'm still studying and attending classes and trying to see how I can be a better person for myself and for other people. Work in progress. What kind of groups do you, t- <laughs> we always are right until that last breath. Um, what kind of groups do you talk to? So mainly a lot of community groups, a lot of fun to do Jewish community groups, which has been really interesting. I'm thinking, Oh, this could be tough, but I've done it time and time again. It's been so much fun. Uh, military spoke to the crew, um, the pilots of air force one there. That was a lot of fun. Been to some different military bases, negotiators, I've been to the way outback of Australia, speaking to the six people way in the outback. That was really neat. So I've uh, been out of Mexico a couple of times, Germany, and, you know, almost any kind of group, because we all speak for the most part. And what can we do to become better at it? And when it comes to crisis talking, crisis conversation, how can we have that? Where do we have that? So that's what this is about how we can just become better for ourselves to treat ourselves better and others. Just before we go, uh, we're approaching a perfect storm uh, right now for depression. We've got the situation with COVID-19 that is worsening. And we have the Christmas holiday season coming up, which is going to be unlike any other before. It's going to be a time of loneliness. Um, this is all the more important time to be listening and watching right now for our loved ones. Oh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. To have that self-compassion for ourselves and self-care. But what about somebody else? Hey, you know what? I haven't talked to Bob in a while. Let me give him a call just to say hi. And other folks, you know what? Maybe we can't meet up. We can certainly do something like this, a Zoom meeting. Well, you told me earlier that that first time you went out to the bridge for the very first call of someone who was threatening to jump, you said you had no training and that you were worried about doing something wrong. Somewhere, we were all put on this earth with, with different gifts, right? So I think we've discovered yours um, was empathy and still is empathy. I think that's huge. You know, if you have that going into it, you may be the best speaker around, able to get in front of millions of people in an audience, whatever else. But if you don't have the empathy to be able to put yourself in that individual's shoes and kind of see what they're going through, try to understand what they're going through, then I don't think you'll be very good in negotiations. Well, Kevin, uh, you know what? I think you are the guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, I, I think you have saved... Not only the lives of the people who you've seen who have gone, you know, are over the rail, uh, but countless other lives of people who you've given hope to. And I think that's what this is all about, right? right? That there is a way out of it. Sometimes if someone wants to take their life by suicide, they just feel there's no other way out. Your message is just, there's always another way. There is, and it may take time to find you know, people are feeling hopeless and helpless. If we can get them through the next few minutes, the next few hours, the next days, to try to get them some help, that's the thing. All right, Kevin Briggs, thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, we forget how many lives that we are connected with. 
And how many people would be devastated if we left this world? And who knew that just simply listening could change lives? And not just the life of that person, but their mom, their dad, their friend, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their husband, their wife. And it goes on and on and on. You definitely are important and belong here. I want to go over the me three again. These are really important. Recognize your self-worth. When things are the darkest, that's when you need to start shining some light on what you give to this world. Make a list. Don't be embarrassed by it. You are here for a reason. There is some good in you. Have self-compassion. We're going to screw up. We're going to spill that glass of water. Whatever it happens to be, we're going to screw up. It's okay. Everyone does. Treat yourself like you might treat a stranger if, you know, they did something in front of you. You wouldn't just go off and yell at them. At least I hope you wouldn't. You'd sort of say, that's okay. It happens. And that's what you need to do to yourself. It's okay. It happens. And then finally, the number three of the uh, Me Three list, support. Support each other. Maybe there's someone you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe there's someone who, if you think back, there's someone who reached out for help and maybe you didn't listen. We're all here for each other and we need to be here for each other. And that's why every week I end off the show by saying, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out the Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health. 